Hi, I'm Brooke Gamer. I'm the program coordinator for STEM to Stern. I am also senior assistant coach with Athletes Out Limits. I am the youth lead coach uh, for Athletes Out Limits and an assistant coach for Wakefield High School. And you're listening to Steady State Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast, your rowing fix, where the water is flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. We're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains in a podcast designed to save a real-life experience from gaunch to coxie at every level. We're Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Hey, Rachel, how you been? I don't even know, Tara. It's been crazy for like three weeks. So our listeners will notice in this episode that you're about to hear, Rachel's not one of the interviewers. And what's been going on? So three weeks ago, I got selected to serve on a jury for a murder trial. Two weeks of testimony, three days of deliberation. We have more deliberation ahead. So basically, I just haven't been available like nine to five for anything. Well, I really enjoyed talking to Brooke Gimmer, and this was a guest that I know you wanted to be there for because you have some connections with him and I hope we did a good job. Yeah, well, and I should say thank you for picking up the mantle and just running with it and having this awesome chat with Brooke. I was looking forward to sitting down and talking with him because I've known Brooke for a while and known of Brooke even longer. Um, Brooke's uh, based here in Washington, D.C., is a coach with all these programs at the Anacostia Community Boathouse, where I've been a member and rower and coach for 20 years. Um, you know, he graduated from Wakefield High School, which is actually a program that I coached for a year. I don't believe he was on the squad, but I coached there. Brooke talks about knowing and growing up as a rower underneath Patrick Johnson as a coach. And I've known Patrick for about a dozen years and coached with him. Um, So, you know, I see them around a lot. And I just thought it'd been really super to talk with Brooke about, you know, DC and what's going on here and his involvement locally. I also coxed Brooke in a boat in a regatta, I think just last year. So I'm sad that I was not able to be a part of that conversation. Well, it's great to know that we made the connection with him. It's great to have it on tape, if you will. And we hope our listeners really enjoy it. Yeah. So thanks again, Tara. Hope everybody has a good time listening to this episode with Tara and Brooke Yimmer. We're really interested in what makes people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today on and off the water. Today, we're talking to Coach Brooke Yimmer, based in the Washington, D.C. area. He's the program coordinator for STEM to Stern and coach for Athletes Without Limits and his own alma mater, Wakefield High School. He's an advocate for community service and the leadership skills rowing teaches us all, especially our future leaders. Thanks, Brooke, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Every episode, we put our guests in the hot seat for a lightning round of questions. Are you ready? Uh, Sweep or skull? Skull. Port or starboard? Port. Bow seat or stroke seat? Stroke seat. Sprint race 
or head race? Sprint. Uni suit or tank and trow? Uni. Shoes or barefoot on the erg? Barefoot. Nice. With socks. Yeah. I <laughs> love that. Cool. Uh, calories, watts, or splits on your PM5? Splits. Favorite coxswain command to give or receive? Powered 10. And lastly, coffee before or after a row? I don't drink coffee. Nice. Welcome to the, are you a tea drinker? Uh, I don't drink tea either. I drink water and orange juice. (laughs) You know, we actually had someone that said hot liquids in general, they don't like. (laughs) (laughs) And then we were like, oh, okay. Because Rachel and I are tea drinkers. We don't drink coffee either. Uh, So on a scale of zero to 10, how's your rowing week going? I would say it's... um, it's a nine right now uh, because, you know, I'm super excited. Um, we're starting our Athens Elements Youth uh, practice on uh, April 18th. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're super pumped for that. Um, our middle school and high school kids are, have been getting ready. We watched the, uh, the U.S. Strong Safety video yesterday. Um, and, you know, we're super, you know, pumped and ready, you know, ready to get going. You're in Washington, D.C., right? Yep. Yep. Washington. And where do these kids come from? It's called Serve Your City. So where do these kids come from? Yeah. So, you know, Athel Limits has a partnership with a program called Serve Your City uh, Mutual Aid Ward 6. Um, and, you know, they um, majority of all our kids come from that program. Um, and through the Serve Your City program, they do uh, tutoring, uh, mentorship, um, yoga, just like any extracurricular activities, you know, kids from underserved uh, underserved community won't get so they come from all over the dc area and they all come to your boathouse and you put them on the water and you teach them you know basically everybody knows that life skills happen out of rowing and what are some of the life skills that you guys are trying to impart on kids through serve your city through you know throughout our youth program you know the, the first thing is you know being a leader and that starts with communication um you know when speaking up, speaking up with your chest, being clear and concise. Um, and, you know, don't hesitate to ask questions. Um, and, you know, that's the biggest thing, you know, you, you, you know, in the job force, in the real, in the real life, you know, you got to look out for it. You know, you got to be able to communicate things clearly through writing, through, you know, through the word of choice and everything. So, you know, we do a lot of mentorship, but that's kind of like the main thing. We mentor our sure. youth. Yeah. It's, I mean, how could you not, when you're in a rowing environment, you're, Everything about rowing models some aspect of leadership, communication, teamwork. Like it's just kind of built in, don't you think? Exactly. It's already built in. So which made it a lot easier for us to, you know, integrate that skill we wanted to teach. Um, And then another thing, you know, we've also kind of, you know, done is, you know, for me being, you know, collegiate rower, you know, coming out and, you know, I've been, you know, I've been pushing a lot of my athletes to look at colleges and we were lucky enough to host uh marcy one time to uh come in and uh give uh, a college talk um, oh good yeah yeah help, and it was, help them plan their future exactly and then you know a couple of weeks later um one of the parents you know the, she she wanted we i do a lot of check-ins with the parents just to make sure you know the, the kids are you know good outside of the boathouse mm-hmm. and you know she's telling me she saw um she saw her son you know browsing through um 
through colleges and she said you know son what are you doing and then he said he's looking at colleges that he could possibly get scholarships to um yeah and then yeah and then you know it's like they're already thinking about that and you know we do watch a lot of videos we do like you know for me as a coach um I, I was a, when I was in when I was a student. I I like to learn more about visually. So I, a lot of the teaching that I do is visual. I like to show it rather than say it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do watch a lot of colleges as well. Um, and and they are you know they they were motivated. And right now they're working hard. They're like, yo, we want to get a scholarship. We we want to roll in college. And you know this this is why we've uh, no we've kind of before it was an afternoon practice. Um, but then now they wanted to you know compete at a competitive level so you know we've switched our practices to 6 a.m and you know wow it's, yeah we're they're super pumped and you know you know thank you to concept two because concept two was able to give us ergs and you know we were able to provide you know our kids ergs and they 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 love erging for now <laughs> yeah everyone yeah. loves erging when they start out and then you know you do a couple of 2ks and 5ks and 6ks and you want to back off from it and you know yeah we're just yeah. working hard at the lab right now Wow, that sounds really good. I mean, it sounds like um, we've seen a lot of these successful programs where uh, the program is becoming more successful. I mean, uh, throughout the US and the world uh, around DEI and inclusion and making sure that not only, and I really like your take on it because you yourself uh, were a collegiate rower. So you're going to them and saying, here's the college experience and here's what I get excited about with college. And you also had mentioned a anemic pipe coaching pipeline. And you know, those two things I think really are going to make a big difference when kids can see and relate better to their coaches, you know, and just say, hey, you know, that doesn't seem too far from my experience. Like, you know, you're recently out of college age-wise, and they're saying, Oh, he's you know, he's close to our age and he seems like he's communicating really well about that experience and they can relate to you, right? Do you feel like you're you're pretty relatable to your students? I would I definitely would say so. Um and yeah. they, they see how they've seen me row in a single sometimes I go out and with the yeah. singles with and you know, I was also uh, like, you know, lucky enough to have, you know, Georgetown lightweight women's um, alumni rowers come and volunteer with me and they did you know they did spark a lot of college interest from that as well and and I have three volunteers from there and they've been coming in you know working with the kids and you know kind of just like building off of you know what I've been building within the kids you know college education college rowing and everything um so they're surrounded with a lot of uh, collegiate rowers so they that's what they look up to so can you talk about your first uh first year as a rower at Wakefield High School yeah um so I I got exposed to rowing through um through Patrick Johnson he used to run a CrossFit uh well I thought it was a CrossFit uh, class I didn't think it was a rowing class because I've only seen a, a rowing machine in a CrossFit gym um and you know I came in because I wanted to get stronger uh for you know, for football for the following year, I wanted to try out. And um, I was 130 pounds when I was a freshman. So I wanted to build more muscle. So I joined the, the CrossFit class and apparently it was a rowing class. <laughs> and uh, <Oops>. so, yeah, <laughs> so I was, you know, I was arguing with him and everything. Um, and, and then, you know, I didn't know, I still didn't know it was a, a rowing program. Uh, and then, you know, they gave us flyers, you know, to join the, you know, uh, on the water and everything. And, and I saw the do, 
And then I was like, oh, $300, no can do. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and then I, you know, and then I, I, I didn't join that year. And then the following year, I did like the CrossFit workout. I did like, you know, working out on the, on the rowing machine. So I went there and then this time, um, this time I was, I was at a youth leadership called Bridges to Independence, you know, uh, youth. And um, back then, you know, the CEO, uh, Samuel Kelly, uh he knew my interest in rowing but he knew i couldn't you know in my parents didn't you know they wanted to allocate funds to you know housing food and everything and they did not see rowing as an important sport because they did not know more about it you know mm-hmm. um, they were like you could detract for free you're you know you're a miler so why, why don't you do that instead um that's the the track they were pushing me towards too because that's what you know that's what they're more familiar with sure. and and Sam Kelly was, you know, he uh, he said, you know, I'll pay for you. And he said, you're going to join um, and, you know, it's going to change your life. And I, I didn't know what he meant by that. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so he paid for my first season, um, my sophomore year, and I had a blast. And then as soon as I got on the water, I was like, damn, I should have done this when I was a freshman. And like, right. yeah. How, and I, how would you how would you describe that first time? You know, or do you remember that first time you went on the water? Yeah. I mean, I was a swimmer before. Um, mm-hmm. And like, you know, just being on the water first, it was a little scary. I'm not going to lie, because, you know, you, you don't know how deep the water is. Sure. Water is yeah. Dirty, and <laughs> you're like, OK, you know, you're just scared of the water overall. And then once you get, you know, I was because I was in a novice eight. And then once, you know, once we were our novice coach, Mark Olson, you know, once he was a very good coach, he once he taught us how to roll well together. Oh, my God. It was like. You know, the the endorphins, you know, that, that circulate through your body just like makes you want to keep coming back and coming back. And yeah. we were in a session, so we used to watch the sunset and everything. And the way Mark taught us, he was very, you know, he he just thought us super well and we had you know a friendship with him too and you know it was just fun like I wanted to be in that environment and our high school was you know was the most diverse high school and um I would say honestly that it was the most diverse high school in the country honestly and we had different backgrounds you know we had you know Indian Middle Eastern um you know uh and Black Hispanic um White you know, Asian, like basically, like, like d- different demographics. Like if you see my novice eight, you're gonna say this is like world drawing right here. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. So, it so, was you, fun. so you felt like you'd found your place. Uh, did your family come around and and understand rowing and enjoy uh, watching you in the sport? They did. They did. Once they saw how. Um, how much fun I was having um, with the sport, you know, with, you know, with everything. And, and then they came around and, you know, they started supporting me. They actually got me my first herb uh, oh. when I was junior in college. Yeah. <laughs> they said, you know, we want you, you know, we, we we're going to support you. Sorry. We didn't support you, you know, uh, before. Um, but like, you know, they're saying, you know, we can still come and come around and do our best, you know, to kind of just uh, redeem ourselves a little bit. And then they've been doing a good job, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's great. I know a lot of families are, it's a big thing to absorb, you know, to the whole rowing community and the whole rowing culture and and going to regattas and how how do you watch a rowing race and what's going on? You know, there's kind of a a learning curve there for most families. 
So from Wakefield, it sounds like you were on a trajectory and you, did you know you wanted to row in college and how did you get to Washington College? I didn't think I was going to row in college. Uh, I mean, row in college. Um, because I didn't think, first, I didn't think I was fast enough. I was a lightweight my sophomore and uh, junior year. Um, and, you know, I was like 135 pounds. Um, and then, you know, senior year came around and I was able to build more muscle. I was 160. And I, I was just in this program called Boys Cohort at Wakefield, you know, that, you know, supports minority ch achieving, uh, you know, boys um, in Wakefield. And uh, the advisor, uh, he pulled me aside one time and then he said, because um, back then I wanted to be on the pre-med track. And then he said, you know, Washington College is a very good you know, uh, pre-med track. They're very prestigious mm. and have a lot of, you know, good education. And he said they have rowing because that was the first thing that you see on the on the template. On the first thing was you see in two eights rowing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, and and I reached out to um, I reached out to the um the head coach, Coach uh, John Nickley, and you know he had he had me over, and I told him I'm right under seven, but I'm lightweight, you know I can build on muscle, I can get faster. He said, don't worry about that, you know, we'll get you what you where you where you need to be, um, you know, just come to the school and you know we'll take a care of you. And oh, that's great. Yeah. And, and they had all the programs that you were interested in, because I see that you graduated with a BS in biology and you minored in chemistry and public health. And so they they filled that requirement for you as well. Yeah, they did. They did. So they had, you know, everything. They had everything that I needed to succeed um, and, you know, build my career towards too. Uh, so I like yeah. that. It was a fairly small college. I was, you know, right under 1,500 when I was, uh, when I started at the school. Oh, yeah. that's tiny. Yeah. Yeah, tiny, but it was good. You know, it kept me focused. Who was your coach when you were there? Um, so when I was there, you know, sadly, Leakley left. Um, and uh, when I came in as a freshman, he was leaving. And, you know, I was super excited to be with him. And then Coach uh, Scott uh, Gavin Wozanowski. And uh, he um, he was an amazing coach. He changed my role, honestly. Um, he He knew he knew I felt like, you know, I've always felt like I was the only, um, you know, black guy in the room. And like, he, you know, he, he, he's pulled me out and then did one-on-one with, with himself and the assistant coach and, you know, talk to me, do some check-ins on me. And, mm -hmm. um, and then like, he was just like, uh, you know, I would say Patrick Johnson was my, you know, was my boathouse dad, but, you know, Gavin, you know, coach Scott Gavin was, uh, he was like, he was the one that brought me from like, just like a crappy rower to a clean, smooth rower. Um, he, you know, he believed in me. And then it's like, that was enough for me to see my potential. Like he used to tell me like his goal was, you know, by the time I graduate as like to be the, the you know, the level of like as fast as the Harvard stroke seat. And yeah, and that was, that was his goal. Yeah, he believed in all of us. And, you know, after Lickley left, the team had to get rebuilt a little bit because some of the athletes left. And, you know, Coach Scott, he rebuilt the entire team, changed the whole mentality. And, you know, we were lucky, uh, you know, we we're lucky enough to have uh, our school give us a brand new boathouse with new tanks and new ergs. And, you know, Sweet. Just, yeah. <laughs> and we have our own river. And so, it was, yeah, he was able to build the team, you know, uh, rebuild the team again. And he, he was able to rebuild me as a rower as well. Um, 
I like that you said he polished you up. I like yeah. that. Cause you know, I think a lot of rowers have some, have some rough edges and uh, you know, cause we're all still individual and we don't really understand the power of really co- being cohesive. And I think part of being cohesive is being a little softer around the edges and a little yeah. more uh, like, uh, I always see this like cord between rowers and an eight. Like there's yeah. this cord and, and whether it's a mental or emotional cord, or you just sort of visualize that I'm a very visual person as well. And I think when you, we're going to talk about coaching next, when you coach, knowing yeah. that, you know, that visual kind of spans all the people. Right. Um, yeah. But, but I love what you said that he, he polished you up. Because of our amazing patrons, we've been able to provide 16 Changemaker scholarships to rowers, coaches, and club founders who have big ideas for the future of our sport. When you join our Patreon community for as little as $5 per month, you support the Changemaker Scholarship Initiative and help develop new leaders in the rowing community. You'll also be the first to know about new episodes, get steady state freebies, and store discounts. Find out more at steadystatenetwork.com slash Patreon. In two, we're back with Brooke Yimmer. That's one, two. Okay, so coaching. Did you start coaching when you were still in college or did you do that after? So I actually started coaching when I was a senior in high school. Um, oh, way back. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so back then um, I started, you know, helping out, you know, Patrick was the, the head coach for Wakefield and, you know, he left my senior year um, to take over at Without Limits full time. Um, and, uh, he, uh, he needed more volunteers with his adaptive program. Um, and he was also, he created the, the DC Stroke Save Your City Youth Rowing Program as well, uh, with, with the Save Your City Partnership. And so he needed more hands with that. So he, you know, my high school rowing buddies and I, you know, joined him and, you know, he taught us the coaching skills we needed and, um, you know, we were, we were basically the double partners for the uh, for the athletes, um, and then we had to, you know, based on the the skills he taught us, we had to teach the the rowers how to row. Mm. Um, and I started at a fairly young age. Um, I was like seventeen back then, and then once I graduated, um, I came back, and then I was you know, because I really liked you know coaching and being on the water, and and I've already formed a lot of you know good relationships with the, with the athletes too. So, um, especially with the, with the Silver City Youth Run Program, and because I did see myself a lot in those, in those kids. And, you know, I felt like I was the, the big brother, you know, to them. And then there were the little brothers that actually listened because my younger brother does not listen to me. <laughs> he, does, <laughs> he does now, but, you know, back then he didn't. Um, so I, I love that you said that because you referred to Patrick Johnson as like the boathouse dad, you know, and then these relationships can be so formative. Do you remember any big light bulb moments when you were in your first year as a coach? Oh man, um, there's a lot. You know, it's hard to pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna say this: my first year as a lead coach for the for the Surrey City Youth Program after graduating college uh, was. So when we started out, we wanted to uh, to work with majority high school and a little bit of middle school, and. Um, but then what happened was the, the high school kids had younger siblings 
And then the parents assumed it would be okay to bring their 10 year olds, nine year olds to come and row. And then they just, you know, they, they assumed it was like a, a sports camp. Um, yeah. And, and, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so they came in and we had to make it work. Um, so we were building, you know, seat pads for the middle school kids. I always started on my kids with sculling uh, because mm-hmm. they thought I was biceptual. You know, they could do port to starboard and then to teach them, you know, how to use their core to their advantage and everything. Um, so, you know, I had to do the same with the middle school kids to keep their body symmetrical. So they came in with a bunch of seat pads, you know, and they were rowing with, uh, with, uh, with some of our high school volunteers from Wakefield High School. Um, and then they were just good enough to, you know, not to row with a rowing partner. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to put them in, you know, in wide body singles. And they were light enough that wide body single did not mean anything to them. So I put them in racing shells. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Sneaky. Very sneaky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then once they were ready, we took off the pontoons and, you know, these, all you see is 10 and 11 year olds, you know, battling it out in a single and all black and Hispanic kids just battling it out. Um, and then, I wanted to sign them up for a race and it was for capital sprints. Um, it was only 1000 meter race and I signed them up and they were the start of the show. They right from the start to the end, you know, they were just, you know, they were going at it. They were, you know, they were battling each other, you know, steering perfectly all the, all the skills, you know, they were thought. And then afterwards, you know, the, the top three kids that won the medal, they were walking around like they owned the regatta. Like, oh, you see the 10, 11 year olds walking around with a big medal around their neck. That was a very, you know, inspiring moment for me. I was like, as a coach, because, you know, you know, your novices are, you know, the most you're going to, you know, but a middle school novice is a whole different game. And, oh, yeah, them do that at a younger age and that confidence, that leadership mentality they had and that, you know, that comfort they had around that boathouse, too, was was very like inspiring for me and it was like it made me feel like you know all our work you know what was put to kind of like you know the test and it kind of passed well I think also like rowing requires so much independence you know and these are kids at an age who are still like getting rides everywhere and everybody has to approve what they're doing and that feeling of empowerment just as a 10 or 11 or 12 year old is it's pretty amazing and then you that's a big risk putting them in racing shells because you know they're but you're right they're light they're small people they're not huge like i see these little middle schoolers trying to carry a four carry a quad you know it's just like you know they're dwarfed by these boats um (laughs) and in and i love that more middle schoolers are getting to do that and that it it really I mean, what, what other sport do you send your athletes 12, 13 years old out onto the water in multiple thousand dollar equipment by themselves, you know, yeah. out, out into the water at regattas, especially it's like, okay, have fun. And you're like, I hope yeah. it goes well. You know, there's no coaches on the water during regattas. So that's great. And it's like, I like how you said, like, it all came full circle. Like that's, we knew we were doing a good job. Cause that's one of my favorite things to ask coaches is, how do you know you're a good coach? Do you know? That's a, that's a very hard, I know that's a very good question, but a hard one. Um, yeah. I feel like you know you're a good coach when you always look forward to coming to practice. Um, for me, you know, back, you know, last year I was, um, 
I was working as a biotechnologist and a biochemist um, at a big pharma club. And, you know, what I looked forward to was going on the water and, you know, and doing that. I'm not saying I, I was not saying I was a good coach, but more of like, you know, when you know that, you know, the kids feel the same way and they look forward to coming on the water with you. It doesn't matter what level of experience you have. What it matters is the passion you are you, like you have and the passion, you know, you're communicating to the kids with. Um, and then, you know, and you can tell by your retention rate too, you know, how many of the kids are coming back and having fun and how many kids are not. And then, you know, you can make, you know, you can do your own assessment with that as well. Um, mm -hmm. But I just feel like, you know, it's, you know, if, if you know you want to go back and if you know that your role is going to come back to you as well, I think you're doing a great job, honestly. Yeah. And, and what, did it, what is it that you want? I mean, at this point, how, how many years have you been coaching now? do you think since you were a senior oh um i would say um six to seven years honestly yeah so you're you're in it you know you've got a good commitment i think some people who start as seniors or college students they don't really stick with it you know because it's not you know they go on to have a full-time job or something but the ones that stick around uh you know myself i became a coach when i was in my 40s and mostly because I was such an evangelist for adults learning to row. Mm -hmm. I was recruiting people out of coffee shops. You know, I'm like, no, you have no idea. Like, and I, I learned to row when I was 13. And mm -hmm. I just remember, I didn't stick with it. I didn't go to college and row, but I did it for a couple of seasons, but it always stuck with me, you know, as yeah. a really transformative experience. And uh, something that I thought, oh, maybe someday I'll get back to that, you know, and then I moved to Seattle and then I'm watching rowing everywhere, you know, and you'll see it when you come, like it's everywhere. Yeah. And I just remember when I was a coach, I was drawn to it because I looked forward to every single day of all those little light bulbs, you know, going off like, oh, you know, today we're going to learn to feather, you know, and and I, I made it, I tried to make it really fun, you know, like, okay, you know, this is going to suck and it's going to be really hard, but, you know, yeah. we're going to, we're going to hold a three minute plank and then we're going to learn to feather today, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you have to sort of mask the hard stuff, you know, into like a fun uh, treat thing, you know, give them some candy or some, uh, you know, I always say hugs and high fives, hugs yeah. and high fives. And what a great, a great day that we're in now, we can go back and actually give hugs and high fives, you know, metaphorically speaking, depending on your policies, of course. Yeah. Um, but high fives are something that we haven't been able to do for so long. Are you a high five coach? I'm definitely, uh, I'd say more of a fist bump coach. <laughs> You're a fist bump coach. Okay. Before yeah. anything is similar. Yeah. 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 So some people are like the elbow, you know, cause the COVID elbow bump and then uh, fist bump and uh, that's great. So the parallel here, there's a, a thread here in all of your coaching that seems to be linked to community service based coaching, yeah. like programs that have served the community. Can you talk about that a little bit? So, I mean, for me, um, it's like, I was in that community. So I was in majority of the communities. So it was, a, it was fairly, I would not say easy, but more understandable. Uh, for yeah. me to work with, you know, a lot of, you know, community programs um, and like, you know, Stem to Stern, um, I, I, I want, I took that, you know, that role because, you know, I definitely saw the kids that, you know, the, the program was, uh, was serving and, um, and also with Ethel Limits. And um, I definitely saw, you know, the community that they were serving because I was in that community. So it's like, 
you know, you could have, you know, people that were not part of that community try to do things based on, you know, what, what they learned in school and everything. But it's different when you learn about it at school and you were also in it. <laughs> and yeah. it's, um, and then it's like, I think it's, it's not just my duty. I just, I don't think you have to be part of that community or part of that study to do good in the community. I just think it's everyone's responsibility to make sure the community is good um, around them because especially with kids, because they are our future leaders um, and they are the future of the country um, and the world. And, you know, we gotta, we gotta raise them and mentor them the right way, the same way I was mentored and raised on. Um, so that way, you know, we can build more leaders, more high quality leaders and, um, and good positions and everything. Um, so they can also have the same mentality of community. So when they're Absolutely. serving a position and they, they know that, you know, they know where they come from and they know what they have and they know how to fix it. They know how to do it the right way. Um, Absolutely. And, and there's so much about rowing that models that behavior, you know, that models that kind of um, leadership, like we talked about leadership, connection, uh, cohesion, teamwork, you know, all those, all those great, uh, I think any sport could probably argue that they have that, but I want to put rowing at the top of the list there because uh, it really does demand uh, quite a bit from people uh, just to learn about themselves, right? There's a lot of self-awareness, don't you think? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I do. I do agree. So in terms of DEI, I'm wondering, what's your take on the national conversation right now around diversity and rowing and how things are going? I, you know, for me personally, um, thinking of, um, you know, myself as, you know, as a Black rower, you know, as a whole, I think it's also up to the community. Um, the rowing community as a whole to make sure they're doing their part. Um, and because, you know, for me, you know, not everything was rainbows and sunshines, you know, when I rode in college and it wasn't the same way for me when I first started going to Boathouse and after graduating and it was not the same, you know, it's, it's like, they are, there are changes, but there's a, it's a long way to go. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's been, you know, baby steps so far, but now it's like, you know, the community has to be involved in order to take those big steps. Um, and everyone has to come in together and make those changes and those policies in their boathouses. Everyone has to come in together and involve their community as a whole instead of just targeting certain neighborhoods. And everyone has to come in and be all hands on in order to make the change. Um, and, yeah. you know, that's Sorry, an interesting. Go. No, it's an interesting perspective of uh, speaking to the community as a whole, rather than relying on a very small number of organizations to take that up that cause. I love the idea of there being a nationwide or a community-wide or every U.S. rowing organizational member has a part to play. Yeah. And I I wonder if what's happened is some people have just sort of downshifted, like there was a big thrust, and then some people have just sort of downshifted into their comfort zone which might be not being as inclusive and not having as many as big of a diversity uh policy or program you know it's one thing to put on your website that you're you know your your land acknowledgement for instance like that's one yeah. example like you can put that on your website but if you don't go the next step like you're talking about like it's not really there's not really a point to it don't you do you think 
yeah i think it's it's just like having something on there is more of like you know it's like doing a checklist but more of like having something there and implementing and making sure it's being done it's a whole different game and that's how you know we right. make change happen um and it's just like you know you're hiring all these people you know to manage equipment and everything but you know if you really care about dei you know it's also good to hire you know di director or you know everything you know and a lot of organizations um you know whether it's us rowing or a boathouse club or you know um uh, you know it could be anything just you know just having making sure you know that someone is um is keeping track of you know dei as a whole mm -hmm. um and you know making sure you know those uh the mission that you you wrote down is actually you know being in place and um and is actually getting done um and making sure you know in each rowing club or you know everyone has you know has a sense of comfort because they know they can go up to this person you know this you know di director uh hopefully but or any uh, it could be any other role and they know they can say you know they can tell them the reason and make sure that you know that thing is gonna it's gonna be met who do you think is getting it right like what's an org a couple of organizations that are getting it right i know we talked to um Philadelphia rowing and yeah. they have a lot going for them in that department they have a they actually have an inclusion manager uh who was on the podcast with us for this you know I don't you know I want to be as much humble as I can but I would sure. say athletes without limits um we don't our DEI is not just you know racial inequity or financial inequity it's more of like um we're looking at DEI as a whole. We are DEI. Um, you know, we have veterans, um, and uh, we have you know adaptive youth, adaptive masters, um, and we have a masters. You know, the the quad and the double that went to masters nationals. Yes, uh, we saw you. And then you know we have we know we have youth, um, youth as a whole, just youth as its own category. And you know, for us, you know, for Patrick and I. Um, and then um, also the president of the limits, you know, we have, we've had the experience and we know, especially like, you know, Patrick and I, we've seen it and we know because we were those communities, you know, Patrick is a disabled veteran and, you know, but he's also a black man. So he can relate to a lot of the programs, you know, he was working with, he did, he does it with passion. And for me, I was those youth. Um, so it's like, I can understand that. And for us, we didn't really, uh, need to, we it's like it's a fairly small program but it's a program that's been doing it right which has shown a lot of you know success we yeah we, we're not the richest or you know yeah you know we're not rich at all um and we depend a lot on our you know a lot of our funding is from grants um and but you know but we do it with passion you know and all mm -hmm. our volunteers from georgetown and you know um and our Wakefield High School volunteers, you know, we, everyone does it with passion and no one is doing it, you know, for the money. Everyone is doing it for the kids, for the athletes as a whole. Um, and it's, I feel like, you know, when you know everyone, the staff is already doing that, it's, then it just makes everyone's job a lot easier. Absolutely. So the last thing I want to ask you about is STEM to Stern and Rachel and I went to Masters Nationals last summer and, you know, we'd heard bubblings and we'd heard about Will Botts, the founder of STEM to Stern, but he actually had the tent next to us 
at mm -hmm. Masters Nationals in Oak Ridge. And we got to know a little bit more about them and about how their organization worked and got to watch Will, you know, talk to people and, and, and tell people about STEM to Stern. So how did you get connected to them? Yeah, so, um, you know, that day at Masters Nationals, you know, I met you and Rachel. Um, that's when I actually met Will as a, uh, you know, and and I saw him again at Head of the Charles um, and uh, him and Rachel Hunter, the STEM director, and they were talking about STEM to Stern and everything. Um, and um, and then afterwards, you know, they told me there's an opening for, you know, STEM to Stern, you know, program coordinator, uh, coordinator associate. Um, and they, they knew about my uh, my past experience and uh, and they asked me to to apply. And then, you know, I did my research and then, um, you know, studying STEM to Stern as a whole, we were already doing that at AWL, you know, at, at the elements. Um, and so being able to do that, you know, nationally through this program, you know, was kind of like, like a duty of mine to kind of take on if I was offered that position. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, some the STEM to Stern addresses, you know, eight big barriers, you know, that prevent, you know, from kids from underserved communities to, you know, join rowing, you know, you know, the biggest, the biggest one is transportation, um, uh, you know, volunteers, you know, swim lesson, um, STEM education, financial support, you know, uh, uh, rowing, uh, you know, and partnership and food, um, which is all the components, you know, that STEM to Stern uh, addresses. Um, uh, and STEM to Stern is actually a middle school program. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have had experience with that too for for years. So if you know coming into the program and I was able to advise, you know, our different partners to um make sure, you know, we're all doing it the right way and, you know, um making sure we're taking care of, you know, the, the kids from, you know, our you know, our communities and as a whole, um, when integrating them to uh to competitive clubs. Um and then the whole goal is, you know, once this case, the kids have been integrated and grown together through this program, um, Thermostat is not its own outreach program. The whole goal is, you know, integrating to the uh, through the rowing club um, as a whole, and you know, in hopes of that, you know, they continue that uh, integration into the high school program, and you know, th this going to be more diverse rowing programs, um, and also winning medals. Um, so Will and I have basically divided into. Uh, are the clubs we work with um, into two, and then he he does have, and I I do the other half. And our goal our goal is to reach uh, to reach twenty five, and uh, we have we're down by uh, seven clubs right now. Mm. Uh, it's but you know the whole goal is you know if more clubs are interested that are listening to this and participating uh, and partnering with our program, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Um, my email address will be you know dropped after this. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's our goal. You know, I was already doing this at, at a, you know, at a, at a micro scale, but, you know, now I'm doing this as more of like a macro scale, um, and looking at it, you know, as a whole. Yeah. Um, it, it makes me think about what you're saying about, um, DEI being infused more formally in each organization. And I really believe that any program that gets put into a boathouse, whether it be my program, which is Seize the Oar, which is an adaptive competitive masters, um, 
or a stem to stern or an erg ed or a you know if a program gets infused into a a boathouse and truly is inclusive of the whole boathouse uh, i believe that when you start an adaptive program at a boathouse because a lot of boathouses want to start an adaptive program or want to do better with inclusion yeah. you can't make it a token program right it has to be completely integrated design it's not over there it's not a program that's over there and those people right yeah. and i've had that happen a lot as an adaptive coach and an adaptive organization founder and executive director where people associate inclusive inclusion and diversity as over there right yeah. and and that's not where it's supposed to be it needs to be infused and in fact if you have a successful stern to stern program or a successful adaptive program it changes the whole culture of the boathouse right don't exactly. you think yeah, I do think so. Yeah. And kind of citing back to uh, what I was saying earlier, having that one DEI, you know, coordinator is like, you know, the program leads that, you know, that, you know, that we report to each other with are basically that point person. Um, and, you know, we're making sure that they're doing things the right way. Um, and it's like, um, and then it's so, you know, you, you said it better than I did, honestly. And, you know, yeah, you care about integration, but it's not integration if it's two different outreaches, but it's yeah. like you want to get one. That's the whole goal. Yeah, because imagine, I mean, here's my thing. Like I, I teach this, I teach an adaptive rowing coaching certification now. We've developed mm -hmm. the first first ever coaching certification. I encourage you to take it if you'd like to take it. Uh, oh, next definitely. one. Yeah, it's a great, um, it's basically... We designed it such that it talks about inclusion strategies around and using adaptive as the way to implement them, as well as how to be an adaptive coach, right? So we talk about great outreach strategies. We talk about what happens all the way through the process and not just to get people to the door. Um, and, you know, it's just really, we've seen how it can affect an entire boathouse where you're bringing in masters and juniors as volunteers. You're teaching other coaches to do what you do. You're, you know, everything's part of it. You all travel to regattas together. You, you know, you put on regattas together and it becomes so much less uh, over there, that thing, those people, and it becomes us, you know, one boathouse, one team, right? Exactly, exactly. Well said. Thank you. Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> Um, okay. Any parting words? Is there any, so we've already, we've definitely done your pitch for STEM to Stern. Uh, if you want to get involved with STEM to Stern, it's stem to stern.org and, um, coach Yimmer, coach Brooke Yimmer, uh, is your man. If you want to have a conversation about bringing it to your boathouse. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been really fun. Uh, we've really enjoyed talking to you. Sounds great. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honored to be on your podcast and I'm excited to, um, to hear uh, this episode airing soon. Thanks. Thanks, Brooke. Have a great day. Thank you. You as well. Bye. Bye. To see photos of Brooke, along with links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in the episode, check out the show notes on our website. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode with Lisa Lowe. As a rower and physical therapist, Lisa knows aches and pains. Her teenage growth spurt, high performance overtraining and rehab after an accident all informed Lisa's ideas about self-care. 
she seeks to cultivate a rowing culture where we support each other without breaking each other. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And when you share and review this episode, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears. And when you share and review this podcast episode, it helps us get noticed and reach more ears. Hey Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast. Totally, we should definitely tell them. We've got virtual events happening every week that brings together the rowing community from across the country and actually around the world. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I really look forward to Friday mornings when we get together for coffee chat on Instagram Live because we get to talk about rowing and racing and technique, but we also delve into things like DEI and motivation slumps. And it's always neat when rowers from around the world tune in. And so we hope you'll join us on Fridays, eight o'clock West, 11 o'clock East on Instagram Live. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to our conversation. And we also know that everyone sometimes needs buddies to help get them through long pieces on the ERG. I know I do. So we lead Steady State Sundays, the fourth Sunday, basically, of each month at 6.45 a.m. West, 9.45 a.m. East. And when you register for the 60-minute Steady State ERG workout, we give cues and insights to keep you motivated along the way. So you can work at your own pace and then stick around after to chat. Yeah, I really like that at your own pace. I row at about a 16. (laughs) So um, if you want to find out more about any of our events and claim your spot in our lineup, go ahead and visit steadystatenetwork.com slash events. Steady State Podcast is brought to you by me, Tara Morgan. And me, Rachel Friedman. Between us, we have 33 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience and running successful rowing-related enterprises. Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, where they champion inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. And Rachel is the founder of RowSource, the original resource for master's rowers. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Seize the Oar and RowSource. Thanks so much for listening. In two, way enough. That's one, two way enough.